Catherine and I have been having a debate for quite a while now uh, about a possible vacation, and so I want you all to help us settle that this morning, okay? Uh, Catherine thinks it would be a really great idea if uh, our family rented an RV and drove across the country. And, uh, okay, y'all are, okay, y'all just sold me out real quick. Okay, I appreciate that. You know, she, uh, you know, I, I understand that we'll be able to see some beautiful parts of this country that we're blessed to call home. We'll get to visit national parks and, uh, and see uh, some landmarks and visit new cities and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, the whole thing is that you're going to be in an RV, you know, with your whole family. And, uh, you know, I think that that could possibly be the least relaxing vacation I could imagine. It just doesn't seem like there's a lot of rest in that vacation. And I think part of it is Catherine is looking back to her childhood, and she's an only child. And so when she would go on a, on a drive with her family, it was nice, peaceful, you know, she wasn't arguing with anybody. There was nobody else in the back seat with her, you know? And so she had a good time and, and has these fond memories of this. I am the oldest of three boys. And so uh, our family drives were similar to like reading Lord of the Flies, you know? It was survival of the fittest in the back seat. And so that's kind of what I envision. And when I think about riding with our three children, um, you know, we could hardly make it out of Knox County with someone asking the question, are we almost there yet? And so I think about driving across the country, and it's not going to be that pleasant, I don't think. And so, uh, so we've, we've gone back and forth about this. But when I, when, I, when I think about that sort of trip, I just, it just doesn't seem to be that relaxing, you know. It's, how many of you have ever driven to Florida? I'm going to the beach or something. You know, it's like a nine or ten hour ride, and you drive down, and, and you get there, but then you're there, right? Well, imagine if you had to get up the next day and do that again, and the next day and do that again, and do that for like two weeks. That's just not very, re- there's got to be a better rest than that. And that's what our passage is about this morning, a better rest. The Hebrew Christians, are, are they're looking back fondly on their childhood memories of Judaism and thinking, wouldn't it be nice if we could just go back and do that again? But there's a better rest. And so as we look at this passage today, the question that I want us to think about is why would we try to find rest in our works and the things that we're doing when Jesus is better? So if you have your Bibles this morning, I ask that you turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Stand with me in honor of God's word if you're able as we read his word this morning. We're continuing our series through Hebrews. It's called A Better Hope. Today is a better rest. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1, the word of God says, Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. For we also have received the good news just as they did, but the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we who have believed enter the rest, in keeping with what he has said. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest, even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. 
For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Again in that passage, he says, they will never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience, he again specifies a certain day, today. He specified this, speaking through David after such a long time, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest is rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Thank you. You may be seated. So as we study this passage today, and we are looking at a better rest, the action step for you today as you take this word and put it into your heart in 2022 is this, be still. Be still. And so as we go through this passage this morning, we're going we're gonna to break it down into two points, and we're going to see, firstly, that our obedience comes through our rest and not vice versa. And secondly, that our rest comes through faith. And so we begin with how our obedience comes through rest. At the beginning of this passage, there's this warning. And it's building upon the previous statements that we found at the end of chapter 3. He had made this argument about the consequences of belief. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 19, he says, So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. We talked about last week about how we have to believe, how we have to trust in the Lord. And so what is it that they did not enter? Well, of course, this generation didn't enter into the promised land. But back up in verse 18 of chapter 3, it's referred to as his rest. They didn't enter into his rest. And so God's rest is the subject of our passage today. He, he, he dives deeper into this concept of the rest of God. And the idea of rest is a significant one. It's more than just the land of promise in the Old Testament. I mean, how many of you would really like some good rest today? Right? I know, I mean, we could have handed out those little pillows and blankets like an airplane as you were entering, but a lot of you don't need a lot of help sleeping during church anyway, so we didn't do that. And so, here's this idea of, of rest, and, and, and rest is to be in God's hands, to be in God's care, to be under God's loving watch, to be in God's promised blessing, is climbing up in your father's lap and not having to worry about anything. So you can rest there. And so, as we mentioned last week, rest can refer to God's temporal blessings now, and it can also refer to God's eternal blessings in the future. 
And so this idea of rest refers in the Old Testament to that promised land of blessing that God prepared for his covenant people in the past. It refers to the life of abundance that we receive as God's people in the present. It refers to the eternal life that God has prepared for the redeemed of the Lord in the future. Rest encapsulates all of those things. It's a a tremendous promise of blessing that God has given to his children. And so in verse 1 of our passage this morning, it says, Since the promise to enter his rest remains then let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. We've received this good news just like they did, but the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. And so the author of Hebrews is issuing a a warning here. He says, let us beware. And he's capturing our attention to our current standing before God. And it's making us to reflect and say, am I missing out? on the promises of God? Am I falling short of his rest? He says, let us beware that we don't fall short. And back in chapter three, we had made the argument that the author of Hebrews was speaking to Christians, that that these warnings about not entering the rest were dealing with receiving abundant life now and not dealing with eternal life, that these Christians were, were missing out on God's blessings and on God's favor and on God's fellowship because of unbelief. Because they weren't expressing faith, they weren't following God faithfully, they were missing out on sanctification. And so in verse three of our passage, he says, if we have believed, we enter the rest in keeping with what he has said. I swore in my anger they would not enter my rest. And so if we have believed, we enter that rest. And so this warning here that the author of Hebrews issues is is being presented before us today. Let us beware. Are we believing in the word of God? Are we trusting in the promises of God? Are we walking in the word of God and following after his ways? If not, he says there's a chance that we will miss the promise of God in our lives, just like this generation did. We'll miss out on that rest, on that blessing that God wants to bestow upon his people. And so the author then points his hearers back to that original day of rest in verse 4. He says, somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. He's, of course, referring to the creation account in Genesis chapter 2, in verses 2 and 3, where the word of God says, on the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. So this is a, it's a picture of the sort of rest that we're to find in a relationship with God. That he, he, he wants us to have this relationship of love and of trust that he's created us for. And so the promise has been from that day forward that God's plan was for man to enter into his promised rest, enter into a relationship with him, into fellowship with him. Of course, what happened to that rest with Adam and Eve? They they were removed from the presence of God because of unbelief, because of sin in their life. And that same problem is what prevents us from experiencing that rest, that blessing in our lives. Unbelief, sin, that will separate us from the promise and the blessing of God. And so 
The same thing happens to that wilderness generation in verse 6. He shows how this wilderness generation missed out on the blessings of that relationship with God because of their disobedience. But, he says, the promise remains. In verse 7, today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And so there's the warning. Today, if you, if you believe today, if you hear the word of God today, believe him, follow him. And so this whole idea of rest is that we would stop striving, that we would be still, that we would recognize that we can't do it, but that God has done it, and so we just need to believe him and to follow after him. You know, when you, in the Old Testament, we have the, these laws that have to do with this seventh day, the Sabbath day, and these, these laws about physical rest were instituted so that we would stop and focus on our spiritual rest. The Sabbath was a day that reminded us that we can't work enough to be made right with God. That our, our salvation comes in resting in what God has done. How many of you at the end of a day are just wore out? You're tired, right? Our physical bodies, those limitations are a reminder to us that we can't do it. If you're at the end of a long work week and you're just wore out, those physical limitations of our bodies are a reminder that we can't do it. But God's Sabbath rest was not because he was tired, right? I mean, he's God. He wasn't tired. Then why did God rest on the seventh day, it was because he was satisfied. It's because the work was completed. And so when we rest on the Sabbath, it's a reminder of how our rest comes not from works of obedience, but from God who gives us the rest because he's completed the work. In Exodus chapter 20, in the Ten Commandments, we find these instructions about the Sabbath. In verse 8, he says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You're to labor six days and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, the resident alien who's within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. He blessed it. He blessed that day of rest, of, of, of relationship with him. So all of our, our work is not about our salvation. All of our work then is about our worship. We're not obedient in order that we would be saved. We're obedient because we are saved. And so our, our works are worship of our God who loves us and who saved us. And so it's not that we are resting, finding rest through all of our works of, of obedience. It's that we have works of obedience because we have rest in Christ. Our rest is in Christ and it's not about our doing and doing and doing more ourselves. And so we can rest in him. We can rest in what he's done. And that leaves us then free to worship him wholeheartedly. 
and we have this desire to work hard in order to honor him and to express our love to him, to give our devotion to him. And we do desire to do this, to give God our obedience. We desire to give him our best because he's worthy. And so we shouldn't have the attitude then of, whew, I know my life has been diso- one, one story after another of disobedience, but hey, at, at least I got into heaven, right? I made it in just by the skin of my teeth. I got my fire insurance. That's not what we should aspire to at all. We should, we should aspire to want to offer our lives as a living sacrifice to God that's holy and pleasing to him. We want to honor him with all that we are and all that we have as an act of worship unto him. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. He says, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, he says, each one's work will become obvious for the day, he's talking about the day of judgment, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. And if anyone's work that he has built survives, then he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So that's what he's describing here. He's describing the one who's, who's saved through faith, but his life was wasted on fruitless things, things that burned up. And that shouldn't be what we're looking to be. We should want to be like the man who was given the five talents, who presents five more to his master when he returns. We should want our lives to count for the kingdom of God. And so what the author of Hebrews is is showing us here is that our obedience doesn't earn our salvation, it exhibits our salvation. And so we can be obedient like that because we have found rest in Christ. And so our obedience comes through our rest. But how do we find that rest in Christ? That rest comes through faith. It comes through faith. When you get to verse 8, I want you to notice how the passage changes, how it turns. Verse 8 and 9, he says, If Joshua had given them rest, then God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. And so the author of Hebrews, he, he's, he's turning the meaning at this point. He's, he's using a double meaning here. He's been talking about rest, but now he's talking about rest in a different sense. He's talking about another rest. He says a, a, a different rest. And so here I think he's no longer talking about missing out on abundant life. Now he is talking about missing out on eternal life. He's not talking about sanctification. He's talking about salvation at this point. He's talking about another rest, a different rest. Have you ever had a vacation that you went on and it just sort of was unfulfilling? You know, it's like, how many of you ever come back from vacation and says, I need a vacation from my vacation? Anybody ever done that? Okay, then you didn't get a good vacation, right? You did not rest on your vacation. Or maybe when you are really looking forward to retirement so that you can rest, and when you get to retirement, you're like, I'm just sort of bored. This wasn't what I thought it was going to be. 
It was unfulfilling. Well, the author of Hebrews is stating here that the rest that they had in the promised land, he says that's not the final rest. It's not the one that ultimately fulfills us. He says there's a, a better rest, a rest that comes through faith in Christ who paid the price for our salvation. Yet there are a lot of people who still take the approach that I'm going to try to, to earn this, this salvation, to earn this right standing with God by doing good things, by being kind to people, by, by helping others, by, by you know, checking off this list of behaviors that I think that, that, that I need to do so that, so that I'll be good with God. And that mindset is all about earning salvation through works. It's about finding salvation through obedience. And that's totally contrary to what the Bible teaches us in the gospel. Have you ever taken your dog to go swimming in a lake or in a pool before? You know, they, the dogs do the doggy paddle thing in the water, and they get their head above the water like this. And if, if you've ever got your dog and lifted them out of the water, what do they do? This, right? They just keep their legs going. Even, they're not in the water anymore, but they just keep those legs going like this, right? I mean, it's just, they just don't know that they could stop if they wanted to at any moment. They just keep kicking their legs like they have to work to be saved. And that's how these Hebrew Christians were at this moment. They, they have been saved because of their faith in Christ. Jesus has lifted them up out of the water, but they keep kicking their legs like it depends on them to be saved. And there might be people even in this room today that are the same way. You keep trusting in your doggy paddle to save you. When the Bible tells us that Jesus will lift us up out of the water by faith. You know what the dog in the video can do? Be still. He can be still. Why? Because his master has saved him. And you know what we can do? Instead of doing this, we can be still. Because our master has saved us. We can rest in him. In the scriptures, we see pictures of what this rest will be like. One's already been mentioned, this Sabbath rest. And that's the day that God's people will, will rest from all their work and, and they're to focus and worship God. There's a second one that's mentioned here, of the land of promise that God prepared for Israel. The author of Hebrews, he's been weaving this theme throughout chapter 4 and, and back even into chapter 3, and he told, tells us that that wilderness generation missed out on the promise, but that their children finally entered into that rest, and God used Joshua as his agent to bring God's people into the promised land, and that was a picture of what was to come, because in verse 8, the author of Hebrews points us to the better rest, that, that just like God's people uh, were prepared by the Lord for his place for them in Israel, he's prepared a place for all the redeemed of the Lord called heaven. And all other rests are pointing us to that rest, to that final rest. So in verse 8, he says, if Joshua had given them the rest, then God would not have spoken later about another day. And so he's saying that, that Canaan 
wasn't that final rest, that God spoke about another rest after that. One commentator writes that in Psalm 95, he's restating this promise of rest. And those scriptures were, of course, written hundreds of years after they had entered into the promised land, so that couldn't have been what he was talking about. It wasn't the final rest, or there wouldn't have been another one spoken of. The final rest comes to us through Christ. He is the way. And what's interesting is that the Greek name Jesus, Yeshua, is is translated as Joshua, right? It's the same name. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the angel says that she'll give birth to a son, you're to name him Yeshua, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And so just as Joshua led the Hebrew people to the place of rest, we, I love the song we sang about Jesus is a true and better Adam, Jesus is a true and better Joshua that leads the people to their final resting place. And this is what the Bible says about that rest. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke, learn from me, because I'm lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Find real rest, a better rest for your soul. Is, is that not what we wish for those who have passed away, that they would rest in peace? But there is no rest for our souls apart from Christ. Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 through 12 Bible says there was another, a third angel who followed them and spoke with a loud voice. If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he'll drink the wine of God's wrath, which is poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he'll be tormented with fire and sulfur in the sight of the holy angels, in the sight of the lamb, and the smoke of their torment will go up forever and ever, and there is no rest. Did you hear that? There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image, or anyone who receives the mark of its name. This calls for endurance from the saints who keep God's commands and their faith in Jesus. And so one of the punishments of those who are in hell is that they'll never find rest for their souls. But for those whose faith is in Christ, heaven is our reward, and it's a place of final rest with God. So are you resting in Christ today? And rest is such a good description of what we receive here from God because it connotes that that we would cease striving and know that God is God. Because so much of our lives is about working and striving and earning. We try to find approval through our works or we try to find meaning through our works. We try to find fellowship with others through our works. We try to find satisfaction through our works. But all of those things are found in Christ. So be still. Be still. Augustine said, Thou hast created us for thyself, and our heart is not quiet until it rests in thee. In Christ, we can be still. 
And so at the end of this passage, the author closes this section by calling us back to the word of God. That's a theme that's been all through Hebrews, that the Lord has spoken to us in his word. And so here he calls us back to the word in verses 12 and 13, where he says, the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to the separation of soul and spirit and joints and merits, judging the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him. All things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And so what is he saying? God's word is going to judge our hearts. God's word is going to judge our works. God's, ju- God's word is going to judge our thoughts and our intentions. It's going to expose our hearts if we're trying to find rest through our own obedience and through our own works. It's going to expose our hearts if there's any unbelief there, uh, any sin there that's keeping us from God's blessings. He says we're all going to have to give an account to God. And so now is the time to respond to his word. Now is the time to believe in the Lord and to follow him. Now is the time to be still in the Lord. And so there may be some here this morning who are missing out on this final rest in Christ. And the action step for us today is to be still. To recognize that all the things that you think that you have to do in order to find favor with God... The Bible says they're like filthy rags in front of our holy God. That he has done the work for us in Christ. When Jesus came to earth, who lived a life without sin that you and I are incapable of living, that he died in our place on the cross and shed his blood to pay the atoning sacrifice for all of our sin. He was raised from the dead on the third day. And so what do we do? We believe in him by faith. We trust in him to be our savior. We follow after him as our Lord. We call on him for forgiveness. And we're made right with God because of him. Our job is to be still, to trust in him. And that might be the decision that you need to make in your heart today. In a minute, we're going to have a time of response. There's going to be leaders here across the front. And we're here because we want to pray with you, we want to talk with you, we want to counsel you. If this is a decision that you want to make in your heart today, I want you to come. But Christians, as we think about this passage of Scripture, the action step for us today is to be still, to trust him, to follow him in obedience. And so because we have rest in Christ, we're able to give him all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength to worship him, to to obey him, to follow after him. We need to beware, as he says, that we're not falling short that we're not missing out on the blessings of God, on, on the fellowship of God, on the goodness of God because of unbelief, because of sin in our hearts that's keeping us separated from God. So maybe there are things in your heart that you want to confess to the Lord here at this altar or, or even at your seat this morning. But however God is at work in your heart today, now's the time to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, we thank you that we can find rest in you. Lord, I couldn't imagine life if it were dependent upon my works because I fail every day. 
I would never ever be able to have rest. I would never ever be able to have assurance of salvation because I would never know if I've done enough. But God, we praise you that we can have rest because of Christ. Because the work is completed. And so Lord, I pray if there are any here this morning that need to put their trust in him as their Savior and as their Lord, that today they would come and call on Jesus to forgive them and to find that rest, to find that peace, to find that forgiveness in Jesus today. God, I pray for Christians today that, Lord, we recognize and celebrate the rest that we have in Christ. It's not something that is dependent upon our performance. God, because we have that rest in Christ, we want to give everything we have to him. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help our unbelief, Lord, that we would confess our sin. God, that we would, Lord, give all of our heart, soul, and mind and strength to serve you, to worship you, to follow you because of your goodness in our lives. So, Lord, move during this time. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.